This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to episode 91 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards Podcast. I'm the host Scott Feinberg and my guest today is someone who I'm convinced is about to become a big star and, quite possibly, a Best Actress Oscar nominee, Ruth Nega. The diminutive, soft-spoken 34-year-old, Ethiopian-born Irish actress has been the toast of the town ever since May, when people first saw her performance in Jeff Nichols' Loving at Cannes. In it, she plays Mildred Loving, one half of the couple who were the plaintiffs in the landmark 1967 Supreme Court case on interracial marriage, Loving versus Virginia. But... In fact, Nega is no overnight sensation. She's been hard at work for over a decade, having first established herself in the theater and then on film as the pregnant girlfriend of an IRA terrorist in Neil Jordan's 2005 drama Breakfast on Pluto. She went on to distinguish herself in a number of TV movies, especially the 2011 BBC production Shirley, in which she played Dame Shirley Bassey, and on a number of TV series, particularly as the gun-toting ex of a small-town preacher on AMC's Preacher, which has been on the air since May. Over the course of our conversation, we talk about a wide range of topics, including what it was like growing up as a biracial woman and why it's important to her to tell stories of similar people. What it was like finding out that she had been cast in Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave and then learning that her scenes had been cut. How the 2012 Oscar shortlisted documentary The Loving Story played an instrumental role in her preparations for her loving auditions why it was so important that Loving was shot in Virginia, and what her experience was like shooting the intimate period piece drama with Joel Edgerton, the actor who plays Mildred's husband, Richard. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. And to begin with, we always ask, where were you born and raised, and what did your folks do for a living? I was born in Ethiopia to an Ethiopian father and an Irish mother. So I was raised between Ethiopia, Ireland and London. And was acting something that you were interested in even as a kid or when did that sort of emerge? Yeah, no, definitely since I was a kid. I think I was quite an excitable child. I loved to play and <laughs> storytelling. And I think Ireland has got, is, you know, a very rich cultural history of storytelling. I think it's, you know, very much in our blood and it's something that is sort of championed and, and, and respected and admired and I love storytelling and I think I wanted to be a part of that and I think it was watching sort of performances whether it be like musicians or films and thinking oh, that looks fantastic. <laughs> so you're when in in school I imagine you probably got into it a bit when along the line did that start? No I, I auditioned for Drama College, mm -hmm. and got in to the Samuel Beckett Centre, Trinity College, Dublin, mm -hmm. and I did my three years. And then I started off in theatre. And did you imagine coming out of college that 
screen acting would be a part of your future, or were you just picturing theater? We'd done very little. See, when I when I I mean I'm sure it's different now, but I'm we did very little sort of um, screen acting prep or training. So it's all geared towards theatre, really. So that's where I had my sort of gaze mm-hmm. in the direction mm-hmm. of... Yeah, and I was lucky enough to get a job straight out of college at the Abbey Theatre Dublin. It sort of went from there. I mean, I've never really had a, a plan. It's just... I think, I think it's, it's, it's hard as, as, as a jobbing actor to, to plan for anything, really. I think you've just got to sort of be sort of open to anything and be ready for anything. So it was going very well. I know by you got nominated for the Olivier Theatre Award, Most Promising Newcomer of 2003. Was that the year that Neil Jordan first saw you? I know there was, didn't he discover you in, in a theatrical production? I No, I think I just came in to read for the part of Charlie in Breakfast and Pluto and himself and Pat McCabe, who wrote the book and many other fine ones, were in there and, uh, and you know, I auditioned for them and... We had a chat, and and I found out I got the part. I mean, so, yeah, I'm forever grateful. Because they even, I mean, I believe he was impressed enough that they expanded the part, right? Because it was not necessarily on the page what it ended up being, right? Gosh, I can't remember now. <laughs> it's, it's already a, a few years. But Ten years ago, it was here. There was that tiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if that's where I saw it. I think that was my, I, this is my tenth tiff. It's a beautiful film. It's one of my favorites. I yeah. Love, I absolutely adore it. And how much did that change things that followed because it was a it was a major film he's a major director yeah definitely i don't know how much things immediately have an impact i think it's very hard to tell isn't it yeah i mean usually i don't know i think there's kind of it's a whole kind of it's a recipe of 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 things that contribute to how you get your next job or where or like what direction your your career takes i don't really think about it too much, to be honest. <laughs> but in that case, you didn't feel like all of a sudden you were getting a different caliber of opportunity or things like that? I find it kind of strange to sort of to think of jobs like that mm-hmm. because I never have. I've never sort of been thought of <laughs> my career. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. I'm doing the next job. Go along, yeah. So I believe that some of your best parts maybe you I don't know if you agree with this but over the years have come on TV and on TV movies TV series and I just wonder if you can talk about that and how you felt about just you know which were some of the ones that stood out to you the most yeah I mean in terms of character and quality I don't really see a distinction between mediums I think this is this, there was this idea a while ago that it was, uh, don't touch TV. Yeah, That's obviously changed. Be. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I know I was. I never felt snobby about that at all. And yeah, I'm very grateful for the characters that sure. I've been afforded um, on TV. I think one that I've got to ask you about is playing Shirley Bassey on yeah. BBC. Oh, I loved that. 2011. This one was a, a very well received, right? Yeah, I mean, it was such a great opportunity, and you know, Shirley's a fabulous Shirley Bassey's character. I mean, she's just a fabulous human and. And, and, and woman and, and her story, sort of her trajectory, her rise to fame was quite extraordinary. Did you get to spend some time with her? I didn't, no. no. It's not always necessary, no, 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 I no. think. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't, I'd, I think we got her approval, but I don't think I wouldn't want to right. hound people for like, oh, how do you drink your tea? But, you know? <laughs> but, but she was another character. Obviously, you couldn't have known at that point what, 
what would come with loving, but here's somebody else who, I guess because of her race, had to deal with quite a bit of BS, right? Overcome quite a bit. Yeah, and I think she resented that mm-hmm. very much so, quite vocally. Yeah. So in terms of films, I've just been looking back over your filmography, and I, I came across a thing that you were initially going to be in 12 Years a Slave, but that did not end up happening. You said it was kind of disappointing. God, that's, that's an understatement. <laughs> um, what happened? Ask Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what. So, Francine Mazer, wonderful casting director, sent me the sides for a character called Celeste, two features in the book. And I put myself on tape. I thought it was the most beautiful, sort of strangely ethereal sort of few scenes and I put myself on tape and then I eventually met Steve and got the part, flew to New Orleans, gone in the swamp <laughs> over a course of three nights. Right. And I didn't realise that they couldn't drain the swamp of oh. crocodiles and moccasins, oh. which I stupidly thought that was possible, I don't know oh. where I got that idea from. Yeah. So that was that was quite terrifying, but it was such a beautiful kind of filming experience and it was quite magical and I think everyone knew that they were making something quite special and life-changing and revolutionary almost mm-hmm. yeah I think a few months later and ever this and I knew I knew this film would be huge and it would resonate with so many people and you know for so many different reasons and um and a few months later I got a call from Steve who I knew I knew I knew I knew the phone started ringing. This, I mean, I just knew. Anyway, and uh, but he very, in a very lovely way, mm-hmm. let me down gently. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have done large scale films, World War Z, things like that, and others that are obviously quite intimate. Do you find that you feel more at home in one or the other? Or you, I know you're saying it's the part, or you don't think about the medium especially, but I mean it's got to be a different experience. I think it very much depends on the community who's, you know, taking part in the film, like and ca- other cast and crew. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a completely different experience working on a Jeff Nichols film because you feel it's much more intimate and sort of, I suppose, you just feel slightly more... T- you've got more time, and then, which is ironic because you actually... Have less time. <laughs> yeah, the money is being counted. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's funny, really, because I find it. I find I don't really sit at home and think about my career in terms of how I've got somewhere and how I'm going to get anywhere. You really just have to kind of try and lobby for the parts that you think might be out there or know that are out there, and and also kind of feel free to say no and. And, and and if, you know, I think that sometimes there can be this hysteria, it's like, oh, I better, better take this part because this will lead to this and this will lead to that. And I think it, I think it's always slightly dangerous to take a part simply because you think it might be a stepping stone because also you don't want to be miserable, do you? <laughs> I would guess not. So what was going on in your life when you first heard about loving and was it something that you immediately knew you wanted to do or was it, was it a thought process? Yes, I'd seen Nancy Bersky's documentary and it's beautiful, fascinating and made with such love and appreciation and admiration for this couple. And I could re it's it's quite potent and I could feel that from 
the way Nancy made that documentary and and I fell in love with this couple and, and I knew Jeff was making this film and because Francine Maisler, who ca- who cast me in 12 Years a Slave, very kindly, you know, sent them my name and organised for me to have an audition. And that's how I met Jeff. So when you had your first audition, had, had you seen a full script or you just knew? No, that, I just seen very sides. Yeah. And what was the audition process like? Well, I'd, I'd spent... I'd learned it. I'd learned the science, obviously. <laughs> I'd, I'd spent I'd spent a lot of time, like, uh, sort of squirreled away, you know, just s- watching the documentary and sort of just sitting with Mildred and this, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's language. And I decided quite early on that I would... I needed to sort of convince... Jeff and Sarah Green, his producer, that I had the right timbre, sort of energy, spirit to play Mildred. And I'm usually quite embarrassed about going into auditions in, in, in person. In fact, I get quite embarrassed about just going to auditions, so I <laughs> tend to put myself on tape and send them right. off. But I knew that I had to sort of make an impact almost immediately. And so I did, I did sort of, I opened the door and entered the space sort of in the spirit of her, really. How do you do that by dressing as the in the spirit like yeah inhabiting sort of the spirit of of her you know and this is with a was francine there as well so she knew this was not the same person like i think i think perhaps but i think the the great thing is is that the great thing about great cast and directors is that you feel championed by them and that you can feel that energy willing you to do well and that's really important because you know People forget that <laughs> actors thrive off energies, <laughs> so it's really it's really lovely when you have sort of energies in the room, willing you to to be good, to be great, yeah. to be good. And it was just that one day, and then you found out, or there were a few different meetings of, about you know. No, audition? I think I think I met Jeff a year later, and that's when I, he said film fully financed. Wow! And then and then it was a year later that we filmed. So two years after the beginning yes. of this all, what were those two years like? You knew there's this great part, but it hadn't actually happened yet, and you've seen what can happen. Yeah, with the... yeah, yeah. I mean, that, we met myself and Joe talking about that, that fear that you think, please don't, please, please don't collapse, because you know, in many ways, I wanted this film to be made because I want, I think it's important yeah. for Mildred and Richard's story to be told. Full stop. But gosh, I'd be ever so nice if. I could play her. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. But look, that's what that's that's what it is. It is so what it is. you mentioned Joel. This is Joel Edgerton who plays Richard Loving. Yeah. And how early on did you two first meet? Because I wondered. Right. I was thinking even were there sometimes they talk about you know chemistry, chemistry tests. tests or things like that. No, we actually met for lunch about a year after. See. Jeff had talked to Joel about playing this part while they were doing Midnight Special together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was, he cast us quite separately. And then we went for lunch. And then I think a month, six weeks before we started filming, we spent two weeks in Virginia together with Jeff and some of his team, sort of exploring Virginia, mm-hmm. like just hanging out really and like, you know, doing costume designs, um, fishings and you know, hair tests, makeup tests, and kind of, you know, starting the process. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that we, we discovered that we have kind of the same sort of energies in, t- in terms of sort of how we work. It's very collaborative sort of style, you know. You know, I, I definitely think that, like, Joel puts it so beautifully, he said if some, it felt like we were both sort of carrying this, like, really sort of valuable, like, ancient vase, like, really special piece of history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were carrying it together, and we both couldn't drop it, so we'd, we would, you know, everything we were doing was sort of together. And I very much felt that, like, I don't think that my creation of Mildred is very much his creation of Mildred, too. They're dependent on each other, yeah. Yeah, it's totally symbiotic. So just to go back for one second to the audition, do you recall which scenes you did? Because I'm wondering now, having seen the film, which were... I do, 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 don't I, don't I? I remember one of them, I think it's one of them was when, oh, when they've moved to Washington and Garnet, Mildred's sister, comes up and... Poor Mildred is so melancholy and maudlin because she's desperately homesick for her family and, and, and Virginia and the actual earth of, of her homes, our homestead. Mm-hmm. And she looks at her children playing inside and she says, I feel sorry for them because they've, they've got no space, you know, and then there's no green. And, and you really, and I thought it was so, be- so beautiful because that's, it was, it was. He could feel the yearning in Jeff's writing. Mm-hmm. He translated so well. Was another one of them perhaps? We may lose the small battles, but win the big it war. Wasn't Asia? Yes. Now, can you, for people who haven't yet seen the film, can you give a little tease of what that's about? I can't remember if she's actually in the documentary, talking to Gravelay or the documentarians. But she's been asked about. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. Really. She's been asked, like, you know, do you think that you'll... She's, this, the question is essentially, do you think you'll win against, you know, the might of the American government? And instead of sort of breaking down in despair, she, she has this beautifully hopeful sort of lovely sort of beatific smile on her face. It's, it's not cheeky or flirty, but it's just beatific. And, and she's folding the kids' clothes or something, and she says, you know what? We may lose the small battles, but win the big war. And I think that sums Mildred up completely. It's that kind of um, a refusal to be cowed, a refusal to be dissuaded from following through because it's her uh, her right mm-hmm. to seek justice. Yeah. Now, the shoot itself, once that got underway, it wasn't in Virginia, was yeah. it? It was. On location, yeah. Wow. Which was extraordinary and it was necessary because it's part, it's a huge, like, I know people say this all the time, it's another character in the film. Mm-hmm. It actually is. Yeah. It was vital to Richard and Mildred's sort of identity, where they grew up, where they were born and raised. And when they, it's very palpable in the film, like, when they go to Washington, like, you can see that, like, Mildred was sort of starved of oxygen almost by living in a city, a big unknown scary city and that part of her sort of need to sort of fight this and take this all the way to the supreme court was was to just to be allowed home yeah and when you know you visit virginia it's really beautiful and it's it's an extraordinary place and there's this one scene where she gets out of the car when they've come back usually <laughs> eagerly and you can just see relief flood her and you can see she you can see her brighten 
and 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 her spirits lift immediately. Now, Jeff is someone who prior to this film had never done one that was based on real events. Was your sense that he was right at home doing this sort of a film or was it for him also a little trepidatious in any way? No, not that I know. Yeah. I think that I think that weirdly enough, Jeff has this sort of similar sort of quiet confidence as Mildred. <laughs> no, and it's a very Jeff has a very relaxed manner of shooting, but it's not it's but it's it's super attentive because he knows exactly what he wants and not many that takes, co- right? No, not at all. And then that, that kind of confidence is sort of infectious and super reassuring. And you know, I trusted him. And and what the lovely thing is is that it was quite obvious that he trusted Joel and I. Mm-hmm. And that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fellow collaborators in in many ways. Was there one scene that you were maybe least looking forward to, just because you you knew it would be a particular challenge? Not specifically. I think that the the, the jail scenes and and, and the scene where. Uh, they're sort of brutally awakened in the night. There, that was quite traumatic because, mm-hmm. you know, you're acting, you're acting in the scene, and you know that this happened. Basically, how it happened. And I found them. I find those kind of uh, instances of dehumanization really sort of offensive and sad and angry making, and that, they were tough mm-hmm. to, to know that to know that Mildred went, and many others went through things like that. Mm-hmm. So after how many days of a shoot was it? Do Can't you know? remember. Can't no. remember, but like not months, right? This is an independent. No, God. So no, a few no. weeks. Yeah, four or five, five. So after all this, you know, when was the first time that you saw the film? Can. It was at Can. At the premiere, yeah, yeah. What was that like? Extraordinary. Because this was a tremendously well-received unveiling yeah. of the movie. What yeah. are you going to remember the most about that night? Not bringing enough tissues, Kleenex in with me. Because <laughs> you were able to, even though you had been there for the making of it, it was affected you a lot? Yeah, because I wasn't, like, crying at my performance. No, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't getting right. wonderful, wonderful right. movie groups. Because, you know, it doesn't, I didn't even look like me. I looked like Bildridge, you know. So it's like, yeah, it's this couple. And it was very moving because Joel was sitting to one side of me and Jeff with Missy, his wife, to the other side just felt very proud of one another, but this this couple that we felt really privileged to bring their story to this amazing screen on the Quasette. People there, and now a lot more people are going to be seeing it. What is it that you hope they leave it thinking or doing differently? I think it inspires kindness. I think what's striking about these two people is not just their sort of beautiful, sort of palpable energy and love they have, for each other and between each other is that they're, they're sort of, um, they have this lovely sort of sense of goodness about them. Could they have had a more perfect last name? I mean, that's yeah. the other thing, so. I know, it's almost <laughs> fated, isn't it? Right. And it's like, yeah, and they're, they're just a beguiling, a beguiling couple, and I think that Jeff's made a beguiling film, and I think mm-hmm. that, I think people, you know, people will be deeply moved by them. For many people, this will be a film that they discover you through. And I wonder, you know, as they will, what else they will be able to see. And I know maybe you can tell a little bit about Preacher. Did that come as a result of somebody seeing Loving or that happened to just roughly coincide? 
No, I don't think so. Nothing. So so there that's a very different person. Is there other things that you're very excited about coming up for, for you? Preacher and loving. Yeah, those are you gotta just get through the, a little bit of that. And how about just generally speaking, is there a sort of another character or a story or something that you're very passionate about wanting to tell? I really enjoy I enjoy kind of playing sort of unexpected characters. I suppose giving voice to people that who aren't necessarily always portrayed in mainstream TV and cinema like brown women. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Um I don't know, I don't I don't have a game plan, you know, I don't have like a and also I don't need to be working all the time. I'm not a prolific sort of worker. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I think I'd rather sort of put my energies into one thing at a time, and you know, and 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 and, and I think that kind of, I think it's important, like to, if you're an artist in any capacity, to mm-hmm. sort of like keep filling yourself up and keep, you know, you go to an improv class, mm-hmm. or if you need to just go to a painting class, or just sit and stare at the sky for a couple of days, you know. Let your creative juices flow. I think that's all really important. That's part of it. That's part of keeping your sort of your kit bag topped up and your all your like sort of tools sharpened and everything. You know. Can you though allow yourself a little bit of opportunity to bask in the fact that this has been so well received? I know it hasn't opened for the general public yet, but I mean, you've seen it. Oh, Anybody that's seen yeah. it has had a lot of great things to say about oh, it and you. Yeah. No, we're we're delighted. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's thrilling. I mean. It's, yeah, it's thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for thank your you. time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.